Amen. You know, there used to be a time when a bald man would get on stage and you knew for sure that it was me, Pastor John, but since Pastor Tim returned with his baldness too, just to clarify, Tim's here, but this is John, just so you know. There were uh, a few incidents, incidences since I started shaving my head for different reasons that uh, kids have asked funny questions. I had uh, one kid just look at me and say, are you friends with my dad? All his friends have the same haircut. And I was like, okay, cool. Like we can be friends, but it's not necessarily a club that we're in. But, and then one other kid actually right out in the lobby, I like to kneel down sometimes to be like the same level as a child. And uh, one looked at my, this area that's shining right now and said, uh, do you do that so people will like you? I was like, that cuts deep, but yes, yes I do. Is it working? Like, you know? Anyway, it's, uh, it's always funny what uh, kids say, but yeah, we were trying to reflect last service. Like, what was the initial reason for shaving uh, my head or others on staff here? And it was several years ago, and there was an incentive to get more youth out for youth nights. And I think it was like a month straight we wanted to hit and maintain at least like 100 students on a youth night. So several of us, I was actually right up here on stage. That was the last time I had hair. Um, shaved it, didn't grow back. So anyway, that's all right though. Aerodynamic, uh, spend less on shampoo, uh, Dollar Shave Club, you know, it just shows up right to your house. Um, you know, it's pretty easy, honestly. It looks good, right? You're supposed to say, yeah, that's, see, that's why I'm doing it because the child understood that it's so that you will like me. How do we feel about waiting rooms? Little groan out there, I can hear it through your mask. Uh, you guys, you guys like waiting rooms online? No? Um, usually, there's, there's different people that have joked about it, right? That like you go into one waiting room and you see all these people around, or at least back in the day, there used to be people there. And uh, it's usually a time to catch up on Reader's Digest or Sudoku or like crosswords or whatever you might do. And I remember going years and years ago and my grandmother, she had a purse that had like an endless supply of pens and like things that I could draw with and probably candies and stuff like that. So I was always like, what's in there? Like, can I have some of that, right? And it would help pass the time, but the joke is, right, that you get out of that, you're, you're summoned from one, but then you go into that other waiting room, and then you're like, great, there's no one here, there's no magazines, I have to wait even longer. Uh, but yeah, there, there are things that we like to wait for, but that's usually not one of them. Test results, things like that, no, no fun. Have you ever waited in line for something outdoors? Have you ever waited, and then the, like the rain comes, and you're like, is it? really worth it to be waiting for this right now. I don't know about you. There are some fun things, though, that you wait for. Uh, I know that when uh, my wife, my now wife, who just had a birthday yesterday, um, years ago, the first birthday that we were going to celebrate together, we had the shared calendar, and she called it Puppy Day. This is like nine years ago, right, or eight years ago, and, and Puppy Day was, was her birthday, and I'm, uh, all right, cool. So that day would come and go, and she's like, Puppy day came and went, and there's no puppy. And she, she would have to wait, right? Because her parents earned respect for me because I said, no, no puppy, no dog. No, we're not going to do that. But actually, what happened is that over time, I was worn down. And then, uh, you know, about four and a half years ago, I decided, you know, we can think about, like, we, you know, I have 
some emergency savings for this. I have, you know, I think we have lifestyle that we could make this work. And, uh, and it just so happened that one of the weddings I was officiating for that summer was with someone who had just become a veterinarian. So we're making small talk. I didn't really know them that well, but, uh, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I have a cat and a dog. Do you have any pets? I was like, well, no, but my wife wants, and I, I didn't have to say much. He's like, I will help you. I will help you to get this dog. I will be your vet. I'm like, okay, this is happening. And then, you know, her mother asked me, um, you know, what are you going to get Kelsey for her, her birthday? I don't want to get the same thing. I was like, I don't, I hope you're not getting the same thing. And then when she found out, like, she had tears in her eyes because she was so excited because they always had dogs and, and, you know, she knew that that would be awesome. And so it worked out. So there was a moment where, you know, I captured it and, uh, and she was excited. And Puppy Day finally did come, just for the record, guys, four years ago. Like, we're, we're all good. But waiting can be fun, but sometimes... Sometimes it, it's not so fun. And we're reading a passage today from Mark chapter 5. And when Pastor Tim originally asked me to preach on this weekend, I said, well, what, do you have any passage in mind? Anything that you would like me to cover or, you know, anything at all? This passage came up, and I'm so glad because there's so much in it for us today. And so just before we look at this word, it's going to be on the screen. It'll be uh, online for you as well. Just before we do that, let's pray. Let's ask God to, to really enlighten us on, on what it is he has to say for us. Help us to understand what's in here already uh, so that we know how to be changed by it and then leave differently than we came in. Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for your presence and what a beautiful time of worship. We thank you for the great things that you've done. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you just in, in how good you are. And now at this time, we look into your word. We thank you so much for it. We pray that you would uh, not only educate us with this, but move us because of this. We open our hearts. We we really do commit ourselves to you at this time. We surrender our lives, and especially in these moments, so that your Holy Spirit may speak to us and transform us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So starting at verse 21, it says, Jesus got into the boat, and he went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. So already he was on the other side of the lake, and that's a story you can read maybe another time. The, the first little bit of chapter 5, there's this man that is actually, uh, he's in chains, he's cutting himself, he's, he's demon-possessed. Jesus actually sends them out of him, and this guy is, is back to normal, actually probably better than ever he was. And uh, he sees Jesus getting in the boat to, to come to the section that we're looking at now, and he's like, let me come with you. I want to follow you. But Jesus actually says, no, no, go home to your family and tell them of everything the Lord has done for you, how merciful, merciful he's been. And so he goes and he shares the great things with everyone in that region. And so when we get on this other slide, maybe not this exact uh, scenario, but there were other things that Jesus was doing in the region. So because they had heard a crowd gathered, they're expecting Jesus, so they're there. And then a, a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come lay your hands on her, heal her, so she can live. 
You need to know that we're in the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's kind of his own different thing as John sometimes are. But in Luke, it would be very similar to this reading here. Yet in Matthew, it's a little different. The timing of it is a little bit different than this. I don't think that that's really a huge issue for us other than maybe whoever uh, got an eyewitness report, they, they caught it at a different time because the first thing that you hear from Jairus is that his daughter had already died, but if you come, Jesus, and, and, and heal her, you can, you can raise her to life again. But either way, you're going to see what happens in this story. So he's pleading with Jesus, please come. He must have heard of Jesus, that he is a healer, and so he's saying, heal her so she can live. And Jesus went with him, and all the people. So imagine, there was a day when there were crowds, and all the crowd was around Jesus, his disciples, all these onlookers, and Jairus, I'm sure he has an entourage as well. So they're going, and then this happens. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay for them, but she got no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. So what's interesting here, not only has it been 12 years of her dealing with this chronic issue, we're not exactly sure what it is, but we're sure that it would have been exhausting. And not only was she bleeding, but financially she would have been bled dry from trying to help uh, to figure this out by paying doctors and other, other people. Um, but what one author says is that, you know, she wasn't just suffering from her disease, but also from the cures. Can you imagine? You're only trying to get better, but it's getting worse, and then you're depleted. And so here's where, where this comes in. And notice, just a second, we, we had a crowd, and we had Jairus, and, and we're on the way to do something there, but all of a sudden, there's this other character here. Well, some commentators call this a Mark sandwich, or a Markin sandwich. And so there's a couple times in the Gospel of Mark that he does this. He starts you on a trajectory where there's this one story, and you're like, cool, what's going to happen next? Oh, something completely different, and there's a new character. And then it'll come back to the other section later. So can you be in a waiting room just for a minute until you find out the rest of the story? You guys good with that? You good? Waiting room? Okay, stay there. She had heard about Jesus. So this is really the awesome thing. She had been to maybe even good doctors, but she now is in front of the great physician. She had heard that he is a healer. And remember, we're the last story that we're not really spending too much time on today, but the last man... Um, remember, he wanted to go and, and share. He actually wanted to get on the boat with Jesus, but instead he goes back to where he's from and he proclaimed the great things Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed at what he told them because he was singing Phil Wickham and he was going around, you know, letting them know, hallelujah, you've done great things. Am I right? Yeah. Don't sing. Not today. We don't need that today. So, She's heard about him, maybe not from this man, but from other people. That's why the crowd's there in the first place. And so she came up behind him and, and threw the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Think about that. That's the faith she had heard of what this Jesus has been doing all around. And she, did, she didn't even have to get like face to face with him, she thought. She didn't even have to touch his physical body, just his robe that's hanging off of him. If she just did that, and what does verse 29 said? Immediately. No more waiting. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had, that she had been healed of her terrible condition. So 12 years and all of the 
the just grief of, of trying to get better, but actually getting worse, going to another doctor, waiting rooms, right? All of that immediately changes when she's healed. So this is amazing, and she feels it in her body. Why? Physical matters, and we're going to see more of that in a moment. Verse 30 could be its own talk in and of itself. Jesus realized. Think about how profound that is. Jesus realized, but we're going to see what that means. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? So you can imagine what the disciples are, are saying here next when they say, they look at him, um, this crowd is, is pressing around you, how can you ask who touched me? Have you ever been in a big crowd and like, I mean, it's, it's not a matter of who, it's like who hasn't because like people are literally all around you before physical distancing. Now if someone touches you, you're like, where's the sanitizer? Like where, like I need to get to that immediately. But in this, something's going on. Jesus realized that not only did someone touch him, but it says healing power went out from him. He realizes someone's healed. Who is it? And the disciples, they don't understand what's going on here. What is he looking for? Why is he pointing out the one person? It's like everyone, everyone's touching you, of course. But there's something going on here. He's looking for not just an eyewitness, but he wants her to be a witness to the miracle that had just happened. He kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization. So she also has this realization. She'd been sick for 12 years. Imagine that. And in immediacy, she's, she's healed. She, she feels it in her body. She doesn't know what normal is supposed to feel like anymore, but that's what she feels. But because of that realization, what had happened to her, um, she came and fell to her knees in front of him, being Jesus, and told him what she had done explaining, well, I just, I had heard about you, Jesus. I had heard that you're a healer. I heard, I'd been to all these other doctors, but I know that you're the great physician. So I didn't want to bother you, but if I could just touch your robe, if I could just do that, I'd be healed. That's enough for me. And so she's fearful. She's on the spot. The whole crowd is, is watching and, and seeing this witness. They get to be an eyewitness to what has happened. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 12 years of suffering over. However many doctors it took, however many dollars it would have taken to pay for all of that. Imagine being ceremonially unclean for over a decade. Imagine what that would have done to relationships of the separation and all of a sudden go in peace. Your suffering is over. Okay, a couple things right away. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. So some commentators might ask, so was it her faith that healed her or was it Jesus and obviously his power? I mean, last service I had Pierre to help me. He said, yes, because it's one of those things of it's, it's both, right? And, and the thing is there, like, how, how do you say that? Of course it's Jesus that brought healing, but in this exact thing, it's actually her faith that was an avenue or a vehicle or a conduit so that Jesus' healing power could go out. You guys with me? That's pretty cool. So remember, th this is what's going on, and, and we're also in, in a sandwich here, and before we can continue the sandwich. I need you to just notice in a Bible study kind of way, all that Mark is trying to kind of parallel here. It's, it's not just a sandwich to eat. It's for us to kind of like chew on a little bit and understand. Notice all of these things and a few that are to come in the rest of the story. There's the daughter and there's a little girl. 
There's 12 years of suffering and there's a 12-year-old girl. One fell at his feet, another fell to her knees. One is basically saying, come and touch. If you just come and touch her, she'll be healed. Another is like, if I can just go and touch his robe. There's your faith and then there's have faith that we're about to see. There's that I realized and then there's the realization. We've only seen one so far, but we're gonna see another. Immediately, when a healing happens, it's, it's in there twice, and so there's, there's a reason for this. The whole had heard about Jesus. I think it's implied that Jairus has heard about Jesus as being a healer. And so this is what we're looking at, and, and before we continue the sandwich, I, I want you to kind of see the main point that we're looking at here today. It's the courage to go. That's really the main thing, but, but go from what to what. It's the courage to go that I want you to recognize in this story. The courage to go from fear to faith. The courage to go from desperation to dependence, and that's dependence on Jesus. The courage to go from hopeless to joyful. What we're about to see the continuation of is the courage to go from frightened and trembling to overwhelmed in a good way and totally amazed. And really, for any of us here today that that just feel discontent in where we are at, the courage to go from this is enough or I've had enough to Jesus is enough. That's what we're looking at today. And so when we continue this story, some of it will not be on the screen. I'm going to read and catch you up. And then uh, there's going to be a few highlighted at the end, which you'll see again. But remember where we just left off. Jesus says to this woman who's healed, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Jairus has been in a waiting room this whole time while this interaction's going on. And what's happening here? His suffering is actually getting worse. And we're about to see why. But imagine you're on hold. And it's not that you need it to happen sometime. It's like, you know, at your earliest convenience. It's like, no, 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 I need you to come to my house now. My daughter's dying now. I need your help now. Have you ever been that desperate? Well, he is. And while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Can you imagine someone coming up to you? You, you think there's a use. You think there's got to be one last chance. But they're saying, no, there, there's no use. Don't bother him anymore. But Jesus thankfully overheard them, and he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. And then Jesus stopped the crowd. He wouldn't let them go with him except Peter James and John, the brother of James. And this is interesting to me because it's in parentheses. Now, most of us, because we know there's the gospel of John, there's letters from John, there's revelation all from this John. So isn't he quite famous? Like, why is he saying, you know, and John, you know, the brother of James? Well, John Wesley, our founder of this denomination, he actually comments that it's probably because when Mark's gospel finally got into the hands of people who needed to hear it, it was about the time that James had been killed for his faith. James was a martyr, and so that would have been common news for the people at the time. So perhaps he's highlighting, yeah, this James that gave his life for this message I'm trying to give to you, yeah, yeah, his brother John was there too. Isn't that interesting? And I was mentioning the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's that commonality. There's so many overlapping stories. But how come John doesn't talk specifically about this one? Well, remember the very last verse of the gospel of John says, Jesus also did many other things. 
If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. I think John knew, but he was just like, I, I got to get this out to you. There's other stories. Read about Lazarus. That's another good one. But, but here it is. They're there. Only the few are in there. And the mother and the father, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw how much commotion and weeping and wailing there was. And he went inside and asked, why all the commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. Now that can sound insensitive maybe, but remember to Jesus, yes, of course she's physically dead at that moment, but to him, it's Jesus. He's the author of all living things. He knows that if he just wants to wake her up, he can. And so in this situation, there's people that, yeah, rallied around this synagogue leader. There's some people that were also paid to be like professional grievers and mourners there. And so can you imagine, they're all out there thinking they're just doing their job. You know, it's over. It's our time to kind of shine, so to speak, right? But no, like they're laughing at him. It says, the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother, the three disciples, into the room where the girl was lying. And this you'll see on the screen. Holding her hand, as in the little girl who is dead, to him just asleep. Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. So think about this for for just a moment, immediately, once again, little girl or daughter, once again. And to Jesus, using this Aramaic, perhaps it was because it was so common that he's speaking tenderly to this girl as though he's a parent. Maybe it's very similar, as some writers say, as, as, as getting your child up to go to school or to do whatever it is they have to do for the day. It's just kind of like saying, honey, get up, honey. It's time to get up. Jesus is so tender. It's so memorable to the writers here that, uh, that he includes that translation. Little girl, get up. And immediately this happens. And Jesus actually gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Why? Because she's hungry. She was asleep. She just woke up. It's time for breakfast. Physical matters in this case. It wasn't just a spiritual kind of um, coming to life, but in this case, it really was a physical coming back to life. But isn't this a foreshadow of someday when we die to Jesus, it's as though we're asleep and he's gonna say, honey, wake up, get up. It's time to get up. I think that's really what the story is all about. Jesus is a healer. But he's so much more than that. Mark is trying to convince us and the readers that Jesus is the Messiah. Not just that, the king. And not just the king, the king of everything. And so he is really part of a great reversal. You know, there's kind of something with the woman who dealt with this this bleeding and and she is um, being bled dry, even financially speaking. And so for her to immediately be healed and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of that terrible conditioning. And and what did it say of her later? That she was was frightened, she was trembling. She's not used, she, she was expecting it, but she wasn't really expecting it. Do you know what I mean? She had the faith, but then when it happened, it's a complete shock to her that she feels good. What is it like? Have you ever gone for even a couple weeks not feeling well? Imagine 12 years and all of a sudden, just like that, it's a reversal. And Jesus is painting a picture of what's to come. This little girl, whether in Matthew's account, Jairus comes immediately and the girl had already died or not, 
the same outcome happens. Jesus has mercy. But remember of that sandwich that happened there. All the while, uh, now, did she die because Jesus paused and, and like took attention uh, away from one to the other? Maybe not, but in, in the case that some writers talk about it, if this was medicine today, if he was a doctor today, wouldn't that be malpractice? It doesn't make sense to anyone. Why would you be on the way to save someone who's dying, especially a little girl at that, and then someone else is like, hey, could I just like get some, can you just bandage this up real quick? You know what I mean? Could you do actually a surgery for me first? Like, no, like that wouldn't happen, but remember, it's Jesus, this isn't just some doctor, it's Jesus. And so he's in control of this situation. And so I think the whole thing of going from, from fear to faith is ap- applicable to us today. The courage to go, that's something that's gonna matter for us as individuals and us as a church. But in this, the, that idea that in this story, you're seeing people going from, from fear to faith. You're seeing people going from that desperation and, and definitely a discontent, discontent in what's going on to being dependent on Jesus. Going from a hopeless situation to then being joyful. From frightened and, and trembling to being overwhelmed in a good way, right? And totally amazed. Going from this is enough, I, I, can't, I can't do it anymore, to Jesus is enough and with him I can do anything. What happened there with Jesus is he lost his power for a moment so she could gain it. This is a representation as we're about to go into just after the, the band leads us in a bit of a song. We're part of World Communion Sunday today and we get to take part in something representing that sacrifice that Jesus made for us where he actually gave up his rights. He actually gave up his power so that we could gain something from it. We know that obviously Jesus died on the cross and he was raised three days later. Isn't that also a foretaste of what's going to happen to us, even though we might die? It's just like, honey, it's time to get up. Isn't this amazing? So this is where we're at today. So what does this mean for Crosspoint, that willingness to go? Imagine that woman who had the courage. She was probably fearful being in that crowd, yet she had to do it. She was desperate. And so that was enough to give her the courage to move forward, to walk towards Jesus. Have you ever had that situation where you were afraid of doing something, but once you got on your feet, once you took the first step or the second step or the third, at at some point, some of that fear dissipated and all of a sudden your, your faith is now empowering you. That courage to go is what we're looking at today. Father, we thank you so much for this passage and the surrounding Um, parts just looking into the great things that you have done and obviously you worked a miracle in in several lives in this story and and it matters to us today but also because of of who you are and and how mark is trying to convince us um, that you're good that you are the messiah that you're you're from god that you are god i believe god we believe today that you are the author of life and god that one day even Though we might die to you, it's, it's as though we're, we're asleep for a little bit. And one day you'll say, it's time to get up. So God, help us. Please help our faith to continue to grow today and, and for us to be discontent with the way things are and that we want 
to reach more people. We want more people to hear about you, to hear not just the good news, but to get to know you personally. And so as some are, are starting to pray for revival now, would that spread? Would that be something that really, God, you ignite here today? You, um, right now, God, your Holy Spirit would be moving uh, in our midst we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you that we get to continue in worship and then to remember your sacrifice as we take part in the Lord's Supper in just a few moments. So, God, would you continue to be working on our hearts in these next few moments? Would you help us to not leave the same way we came in? Would we be challenged by what it is you have for us today? Would you give us the courage to go, we pray in Jesus' name.